To answer is human. To question is divine. Welcome to the world of the Hidden Gateway, an exhilarating podcast exploring the concepts humans have been struggling with since the dawn of existence, such as, who are we? Is there such a thing as good and evil, or are they arbitrary constructs? Does the paranormal exist? How can we evolve to a higher state? Can our mind influence what we term as reality? Providing a transcendental approach, combined with hard-nosed humanistic analysis, we invite you on a journey to question your worldview in this theater of life. Join our host, Justin Williams, as he explores the outer realms of faith, the supernatural, human potential, and even our concepts of the universal creator with a fascinating array of guests. This is the unseen world, magical, mysterious, and mystical, where your only limitation is your imagination. This is The Hidden Gateway. I want to welcome you once again to The Hidden Gateway Podcast, and as always, I'm your host, Justin Williams. Before we get started, I need to tell you about a webinar I'll be hosting this Saturday, October 2nd. Now, the webinar is titled The Hidden Narcissist, and my guests are Dr. Angel Storm, Yasmin Ibrahim, and Angie Atkinson. All three are leaders in their field and have spent many years helping victims of narcissistic abuse and will teach life-saving strategies to deflect, disarm, and deal with narcissists in your life. So if you've ever experienced manipulation, gaslighting, and deception, you definitely need to be a part of this webinar. Now, you do have to register, and you can simply do so by visiting thehiddengateway.com. Again, that's this Saturday, October 2nd, with a 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time start time. Hope you can make it. There's going to be a lot of great information shared. All right, now on to today's episode. Our guest today is Mr. Troy McLaughlin. Troy is an author, a researcher, and today we're going to talk about conspiracy theories, aliens, entities, and even the electric universe. Mr. Troy McLaughlin, welcome to the Hidden Gateway Podcast. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, and uh, the pleasure is all mine. Right. Thank you, sir. Thank you, man. So uh, I know we talked a bit before we we began here and uh, man, this is uh, I'm looking forward to this. I know you're a, a, a wealth of knowledge on on many subjects and, uh, you know, this is a treat, man. But before we get started, um, just tell me a little bit about yourself, man. I know you, you told me that you you, you were born in uh, the UK, British, right? And uh, that you moved around a bit, uh, but I want to know specifically how how you got into what you do, man. What was it? Okay, well, I'm I am a British citizen. I was brought up in New Zealand and uh, spent a lot of time in Hong Kong as an adult. I went to university in New Zealand where I studied uh, ancient history, but ended up with a American and Asian politics degree. Uh, it was while I was doing ancient history that I um, discovered the writings of one Emmanuel Velikovsky, and also discovered um, uh, to my consternation that there was a, a mass hysteria in academia against anything that was uh, contrary to the accepted uh, way of thinking, the accepted paradigm of thought. Um, and instead of sort of putting me off the writings of Emmanuel Velikovsky, his, his books, Worlds in Collision and Ages in Chaos, where he sought to um, uh, you know, repurpose the uh, 
history of the solar system um, and uh, chronology in, in, in ancient history to something radically different to what I was being taught. Uh, mm-hmm. Instead of putting me off that, uh, it, it, it sent me down a road of uh, looking into it more and more. And over the years, um, combined with a, 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 a probably my first love is uh, biblical studies. I'm somebody who mm-hmm. uh, has, a, has a great fascination for uh, the Bible as a form of history. Uh, it's led me into a, uh, a concept called Saturn theory, which uh, is a continuation of Velikovsky's work, much more advanced, but uh, I felt has, uh, has has well and truly explained much of uh, ancient history uh, in its true context and also um, has had uh, a huge impact on, on what's going on in the world today uh, that is largely hidden from the um, Greater a lot of people, uh, especially those who enter into any form of academia or higher education. Mm, okay, okay. Now you said the the Saturn theory. Mm-hmm. Now um, you know, you, so you're author, right? Uh, Saturn Death Cult. Yeah. Now tell tell me about that. What what specifically is um, the the Saturn theory? Okay, well, well, Saturn theory in a nutshell is uh, quite simply that uh, Saturn, the planet Saturn, uh, once played a very prominent role in the skies of the Earth in ancient times, during uh, historical times, uh, when, or, or at least uh, during um, the epoch of uh, humanity on the Earth, uh, that they saw Saturn in a very prominent role uh, in the um, northern, the celestial north of uh, the planet. And it's at some point in its past, Saturn shone like a sun in its own right, and uh, that this was the basis of the original uh, Saturn archetype god uh, that mythology often speaks about. To put it in context, I'd like to quote from uh, one of the sort of preeminent uh, Saturn um, theorists, a guy called Duardo Cardona. And uh, Cardona wrote back in 1978 uh, that the and I quote, the evidence of myth which points to Saturn having once occupied a position above Earth's north polar regions is voluminous. There is not a race on Earth that has not preserved at least one account which states as much. According to this evidence, Saturn occupied a central position in the north celestial regions. It rotated and rotated wi- widely, but other than that, it was immovable. Now, that's, uh, end of quote, That that's... Uh, that's Saturn theory in a nutshell, in the sense that uh, the mythologies uh, can be interpreted in a different way by understanding that the people who wrote down those mythological accounts saw a very different sky um, as recently as uh, three and a half thousand years ago, uh, but certainly um, with, uh, within the last uh, uh, um, prior to that, uh, a few thousand years uh, prior to that time. Um, the skies were radically different, and uh, and this is what is called uh, Saturn theory. It's a part of the electric universe uh, model, which um, has an overall uh, different understanding of how physics in the universe works, where mm-hmm. e- electricity is the uh, primary force rather than gravity. But Saturn theory is a subset of the electric universe, and uh, I find it to be you know the most fascinating because it directly impacts on uh, on you know, what we see around us today. Uh, and in in my opinion, this is why I wrote The Saturn Death Cult, it, it, uh, it actually has implications in our socioeconomic and even our geopolitical uh, context. 
Okay. Now, yeah. Now that's I'm interested to learn about that. How how has it impacted um, the political and as well as the economical? Uh, right. world that, that we live in, um, you, you know, uh, I know we talked about, you know, um, maybe uh, some type of uh, some entities or, or something to that sure. effect that may be um, in control, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, okay. I mean, uh, you know, a, a brief synopsis of uh, the, the book, Sad and Death Cult, uh, would be that it's it's basically an exploration into a distorted understanding of well, world mythology and archetypes, um, particularly the archetype centered around uh, the ancient creator god Saturn archetype. Uh, that that uh, is, you know, in all mythologies there is a version of this Saturnian archetype, whether it's um, Osiris in Egyptian, Quetzalcoatl in, um, in, in Mesoamerican, you know, you name it, you can find a version of it. It's the most powerful of the mythological archetypes. And uh, that archetype has become the foundation for much of the occult and esoteric traditions that we see in the world today. However, it's these distorted occult traditions they have now become the basis for what I believe to be a malicious and exploitative um, use of powerful and manipulative symbols which um, often serve as control mechanisms aimed at securing what I believe to be a, uh, you know, a desire for planetary dominance for a select and very occult elite. Now, the book's aim is to alert the reader that the most prominent use and exploitation of these Saturnian-based archetypal symbols is best seen in their use by the central banking system of worldwide debt-based finance, which I consider the greatest evil on the on the on the planet today and uh mm. basically the control of the issuance of money being the most important method for achieving total control over a population now essentially the book highlights that the occult concept uh, that there is an occult concept based on these mythologies of there being two and i i, I have to emphasize this is, it's a distorted concept uh, which we'll okay. discuss later but it's, it's, it's based on there being two distinct and very different so-called golden ages. Um, the first uh, tradition being that of an ancient time of paradise. You can see it, whether it's the Bible or, or it, virtually every mythology has this uh, time of paradise, at, you know, as part of its uh, creation myth. Um, and that this, this time of paradise was ruled over by the mythical god Saturn in his various forms. And that mm. came to a destructive end during an event called Doomsday, um, uh, which um, you know had a, a huge effect on the psyche of, of um, you know the, the, the corporate whole of humanity. Uh, the second um, part of the occult traditions, distorted occult traditions, is this idea of a future event in which the world is forcibly propelled through you know, various forms of occult ritual and manipulation into a kind of man-made technology-driven golden age brought about entirely yeah. for the benefit of a privileged elite, uh, largely at the expense of the mass majority. Um, right. That elite, of course, considers themselves the heirs to the authority that is attributed in myth to the original Saturn god archetype. But mm. for me, it's the it's the exploitation and the manipulation of the deep-rooted psychological and subconscious fears shared by virtually all peoples of the earth that we've inherited down through the ages um, that are uh, related to the first doomsday event that brought about an end to a golden Whoa. age wow. and such. And, and we have these fears uh, of another doomsday event 
taking us uh, over at a site, you know, at a subconscious level, and uh, right. very similar to the you know the first the first one, and that has largely allowed a situation where certain elites, uh, particularly in the financial sector, is what I argue, have been able to use the debt-based finance model to ferment their desire to launch this idea of a new man-defined golden age for themselves. Now, the uh, Saturn Death Cult hopefully exposes the basis of this in this elite manipulation by providing a natural cosmological explanation for what actually happened in mythical times, uh, what the mythical mm. record is telling us, and why humanity to this day is so psychologically scarred by, by what seems to have been a series of ancient planetary catastrophes, a series of interplanetary catastrophes cataclysms that gave birth to the very you know archetypal symbols that so dominate our culture today and of course this means that we have to re-evaluate the history of the solar system in its entirety um you know away from the uniformitarian concept of things have been pretty much the same for the last five billion years uh, in order to understand why and how um particularly the planet saturn became a uh, became basically the chief god archetype in mythology and why mythology tells us that this planet was once earth's original and best son and hopefully mm -hmm. once these extremely you know i admit it they're very controversial cosmological arguments once they're understood uh my aim is that it frees one from the universal doomsday subconscious psychosis that seems to have been so fully exploited by the use of you know saturn-like symbols by those who would seek to rule us down through the ages. Well, so it's just like humanity has this uh, intergenerational trauma going on. Yeah. Yeah. People call it race memory or, or, or whatever race it memory. is and so on. And, uh, you know, the only difference is in how it's expressed through the mythologies. Um, but uh, this is why Jung with his idea of archetypes, um, you know, it, you, you pick, you pick a culture. Um, I tend to operate from what I know, which is the um, Western Eurocentric, uh, um, um, you know, traditions and so on like that. But you pick Chinese, you pick Indian, you pick uh, the continent of Africa, the Mesoamerican cultures, even many of the South um, Southern Hemisphere cultures, Maori and uh, South Pacific Islander cultures, the Australian Aboriginal um, peoples. They all have mm -hmm. variations of of, of these, um, you know, the, these archetypes that. Uh, uh, you know, become the basis of a study of what is called comparative mythology. And uh, once you understand mythology um, as being the written account of what happened at a cosmological level, all the pseudo, you know, uh, psychodramas that we're told mythology is supposed to represent fall away and we see the symbolism for what it is. It's just simply... A, a way of warning future generations, you know, watch out, the, you know, death can come from the skies. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wow. Now, now, Troy, this, this Saturn cult or the elite, um, is it like an umbrella organization in coordination or are they like separate groups with conflicting aims? I and mean, what, what are some of their names? Well, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, uh, usual suspects. In, in the book, I refer to an outfit called the Red Shield in Modern Times, which is an obvious reference to the Rothschild family and its, its, um, yeah. its connections to international banking. But rather than being an umbrella group, um, it's, it's competing different groups. But the important thing, the most important thing to, um, to remember is, is, is that it's about a culture. It's a predatory culture um, that exists worldwide whatever 
the subculture is, you know, uh, whether it's uh, the Christian West, the Islamic Middle East, the, um, um, you know, the, the, the Taoist uh, Chinese uh, and the Shinto sort of influenced, um, uh, you know, cultures and in those parts of the world of Japan, China and so on, whichever of these ones, uh, uh, you know, whichever um, uh, sub subculture in the sense that you talk about, they all have within them this culture, um, which is almost psychopathic in nature, that allows a small group of people to exploit the fears of others to rise to positions of, of power. Now, these particular mm. groups can be identified, you know, various things down through uh, various outfits, organizations, you know, even to the, ex the extent that you can identify its influence in the m major world religions. Um, and certainly in a lot of the political ideologies that have spread in the modern age. But it's the fundamental underlying culture of a death cult um, that uh, determines uh, how you identify who's operating, uh, who, who, who is part of this, which particular groups. And so, you know, a death cult is, you know, it's officially defined as a fringe group that glorifies or is obsessed with death. Um, but in my book, the definition is taken further and uh, I identify, uh, you know, the Saturn death cult with any group or agenda that requires the pre-planned sacrifice and exploitation, even up to murder, and this goes on, of others so that that particular group can achieve its aims and objectives. What's unique about this idea uh, in, in the book is that these various groups and agendas uh, that we talk about in these different uh, cultural groups and so on, they are fundamentally tied in, in that they, they have the specific belief and worship of this ancient creator god archetype, the cross-cultural Saturn archetype that we were talking about. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's the Saturn archetype that is, this, you know, it's, it's a universal mythological archetype. It's, it's deeply embedded in the mythologies of virtually all races and peoples. Um, and it is a god archetype that is deeply capricious by nature and yet demands this you know, status of authority that is capable of being exploited by ill-intentioned people who would like to have the same uh, authoritative status. And, you know, such people commonly use symbols to express their authority uh, and their affinity with the Saturn archetype, even even when they don't really fully understand it. They've, they know these symbols work um, because wow. it is an archetype that is, you know, present in the collective consciousness, subconsciousness of just about every nation, tribe, people. It's the symbols associated with this archetype that have come to be used by, you know, virtually every important and authoritative institution that we have created down through history. And it's these symbols uh, that have become fundamental, you know, in, you know, in the, the way our money systems are presented to us, our national symbols. And uh, right. they're there in most major corporate logos, trademarks, etc. Yeah. Yeah, I've always heard about um, the the Illuminati, they uh -huh. have these symbols, and then you read and hear about uh, symbols and uh, with celebrities being a part of uh, you know certain groups or, or the Illuminati. They do these symbol, these hand gestures or covering the eye right. and things like that. And then you talked about sacrifices. You know what mm -hmm. came to mind was was Hillary Clinton with the uh, the alleged video that was on the dark net where yeah. she, they cut off a, a child's face. What is it? What is they, uh, I forgot what's, what, what it's, uh, had a, a specific name to it, but, uh, the pizza stuff. 
Yeah, all that, all that stuff. The Pizza Gate and the global pedophilia rings, child mm-hmm. sacrifice, high levels. Is is that type of stuff true? I think there's an element of it um, that is true. Um, it's not something that I've actively tried to seek evidence for because you know it's the old saying: once you see something, you can't unsee it. And uh, I'm right. a bit queasy in in terms of um, seeing, you know, uh, that kind of alleged behaviour. Uh, we know from yeah. history that it definitely has been practiced by the elites. Uh, we know that right. for a fact that, um, and there's no reason to believe. In fact, I would say that uh, the name Moloch, which is one of the most disgusting uh, variations of the Saturn archetype, the god Moloch or, or Baal Amon, uh, which is the Canaanite, um, uh, what do they call themselves? The, um, uh, the group of people that lived in uh, the Phoenicians. Uh, or, you know, of, of, of the ancient Middle East and so on, the expression of, of that Saturn archetype through that god, Moloch, you've seen that um, uh, that name pop up in the context of Hillary Clinton uh, and people. I think she received an, an email that was supposed to be a joke about sacrificing a chicken uh, to Moloch, you know, ha, 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 and all that sort of stuff. When you understand that chicken is code speak for young boys um, and, yeah. uh, and the fact that they use the word Moloch um specifically right. like who, who knows who uses that word exactly <laughs> you know it's just you know the, you know that that's just too specific you know i i would have laughed it off if she said to satan or to lucifer or to or to bothamet right. or something like that but the fact that she sort of um uh, identified moloch and yeah we we have enough um evidence of uh, uh you know from all sources and archaeological evidence uh, of this um, particular cult uh, being engaged in the most horrific forms of um, human sacrifice, particularly of mm-hmm. the firstborn. Uh, and so there is no reason to believe uh, that elites would not, upon believing that this has some way of elevating them to a, uh, you know, a status of control, there's no reason to not believe that they would not exploit this kind of occult thinking uh, if they felt it was uh, beneficial to their aims. Wow. Okay. Now, now these groups, uh, I'm sure that they believe, or I'm sure they do rituals and even even some type of magic. Mm-hmm. Do, do, do you think that those rituals and, and magic that they do, do you, do you really think that it may have an influence on it, on like on events that happen in this world, or, or do you think they actually influence things in the spiritual realm? Um, well, I, yes. I mean, um, the one everything we do has influence in the spiritual realm. I believe whatever one's definition of the spiritual realm is. I um, after writing the first draft of Satan Death Cult back in um, uh, uh, 2011, um, I did a, an update because a very very good book came out called The Game of Saturn, um, which was a book written by Peter Mark Adams. Uh, a, a British researcher who does, you know, celestial energies um, uh, works in that field, but he's he's very up on, you know, the aspects of tarot card reading, these kinds of uh, um, uh, practices, and he identified a tarot deck from the Renaissance, uh, a Renaissance family called the Esti in um, in Italy, in which he categorically identified that this was based around. Uh, rituals of human sacrifice aimed at appeasing 
the uh, god Baal Amon, which is a, a variation of Moloch, which is, you know, uh, as I say, is a variation of the uh, Saturn archetype. And um, what what he uh, first of all, what he provided us was direct evidence of a continuation of the thinking, uh, the practices from ancient times through to the modern age. In other words, you've got an unbroken chain of elite families and people engaging in this kind of thinking, if not necessarily evidence of of actually going through with actual physical um, sacrifice, to which you know I, I have no doubt that they have done that. It just isn't the actual um, physical evidence for it uh, in the Renaissance. But they certainly uh, propagated this kind of magic ritual through ta- uh, attack magic using these tarot cards based on Balamon. But most importantly, what Peter Mark Adams, you know, educated me in was understanding why people get into this and and what the difference is, for example, between worship of the Saturn um, uh, archetype as opposed to your garden variety Satanist or Luciferian, um, which is largely derived out of the the Christian biblical uh, traditions and so on. And what he he showed... um, uh, was that the difference between uh, God of the Christians or even the devil of the Christians um, and uh, the uh, Saturn uh, archetype, the Balaman of, um, of the Phoenicians, is that the Christian version of it um, has God operating on the basis of, of a coming judgment day. And mm-hmm. that denotes a God that um, ultimately holds us all responsible uh, for our actions on earth and uh, we are judged according to his righteous laws, his righteous way of thinking, and so on. And right. uh, and you know that that's that's the that's traditional sort of Christian idea. The Saturnian uh, um, Balamon idea is that God doesn't really give a, a damn about anything. He is capricious and will wipe out humanity, you know, on a whim, um, as hmm. much as uh, help humanity on a whim. Uh, and as a result of that, there is no, there is no judgment day. There is only doomsday if he decides on a whim, in a very capricious moment, can happen any time according to his people, that uh, he'll, you know, create uh, chaos and destruction. This is why the Saturn archetype is very linked into, you know, the um, uh, the god of death, the uh, uh, the Grim Reaper concept, and so on. He turns from being beneficial to, in the blink of an eye, he can wipe out humanity. And the objective of Saturn worship is ultimately to influence this capricious God in such a way that when he does wipe out humanity, he makes exceptions. And those exceptions are the people who engage in whatever rituals and such can seek to manipulate his thinking in their benefit. And that's why ritual becomes such a a hugely important you know, process in the occult and so on like that. It's all about seeking influence rather than mm. seeking justice, which is the, you know, the Judeo-Christian, even the Islamic idea right. of, uh, of right. Uh, righteousness and so on. Um, right. They're not interested in justice. They're only interested in influence, i.e. when when this capricious God comes for, you know, let's say, uh, um, Justin, you and me, and I'm, a, I'm one of these, uh, um, you know, Saturn types, I've done enough to, that, that I've influenced them to just go for you and leave me to then benefit from your demise. And wow. this is the nature of what Saturn worship is. It, and it's, it's fundamental. They, they seek influence rather than justice. And so anything 
anything that can be used to influence this God is justified, uh, you know, uh, in terms of their lives and how they behave, how they conduct themselves, um, because they f- they don't fear justice. They just fear capricious, you know, uh, um, uh, being wiped out by a capricious God um, that uh, hopefully they can influence to the contrary. Oh my goodness. <laughs> heavy stuff. Goodness. Yeah, that is uh that's heavy, man. <laughs> now <laughs> tell me about reptilians, man. I know that David Icke and some others mm-hmm. seem to think that uh many of these elite types may not be human origins. Right. You know? mm-hmm. um, a lot of conspiracy theories surrounding that. What what are your thoughts on that? I've not really gone down that rabbit hole in terms of the reptilians. Um there's uh you know, I've 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 brushed up against um, you know aspects of um, you know there, there's a certain type of uh, uh, Christianity you'll often find in some of the white supremacist stuff, which uh, looks at um, you know sort of certain groups of people having like devil DNA, um, you know satanic yes. DNA, and so on. Jews get uh, often tarred with this brush, uh, and um, and you know I look at the sort of David Icke stuff as um, you know similar sort of thing i'm a little bit reluctant to go down that way because at the end of the day whatever might be the dna of somebody whatever it might be uh in terms of uh their their physical um uh, origins and so on along those lines to me the important thing is the ideas that they prob- you know propagate um uh, out towards people it's ideas that are the most uh, frightening things that we face uh in the world they're also the greatest things that we that we can do it's the one thing that we can honestly say we do as a god is formulate ideas uh, ideas for stories ideas for music ideas for for um you know products whatever it is inventions that kind of thing that's the positive side of um of ideas but ideas can also be very very destructive and uh it's not um it's not uh an aspect of uh, one's, you know, DNA background uh, that determines, I believe, whether the, the ideas are bad or not. It's down to how one's culture um, is um, is governed, is is directed, uh, that can result in some of the most destructive stuff uh, that, that, that you'll see in the world. So, I don't have anything, you know, against the idea that there are reptilian. Um, uh, people with reptilian origins or anything like that wouldn't surprise me. I mean, you know, there's, there's all the stuff around uh, Bigfoot and Sasquatch type creatures. That is very interesting uh, in terms of other, I have no doubt that there are hidden um, cryptid uh, or alien type uh, creatures amongst us uh, that are yet to be fully understood by us, whether it's into the interdimensional or, or, or whatever. But for me, the most important thing is um, are the ideas that come out of whatever might be identified as reptilian. And I know that we have what they call a reptilian, uh, what we have is a, a reptilian brain, the one that, you know, uh, responds in terms of fight or flight um, and, right. you know, and how we react, that base thing. And that's often what comes to the fore when people, you know, get into mob action and decide they're going to wipe out some group or a family or whatever it is. Uh so there might be a basis of truth in that. But uh, for me, it's the study of ideas, the way symbols, um, you know, affect us and ultimately the responsibility that we take as individuals. Because as a self-confessed Christian, I think one of the biggest problems that Christianity has is this idea that, you know, the devil made me do it. Uh, no, mm-hmm. at the very most, the devil 
creates an idea and then it's up to you how you behave uh, in accordance with that idea. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, man. That's that's a good point. <laughs> that is a good point. Now, how do we separate truth from fiction? You know, all this that's going on in the world, everywhere you look, mm-hmm. you, you see misinformation, deliberate disinformation just coming in from all angles. And you have these psychological operations also mm-hmm. on the psyops. How do we separate the truth from the fiction, man, with everything going on? How, what do we stay? How do we stay grounded in, in truth? Um. Um, oh, s- sorry about that. Uh, Justin, uh, something just popped up on my computer. Uh, took my attention. I don't know if you actually saw that. Um, sorry, could you just uh, start the question again? You can edit this later, can't you? Yeah, no, no worries, no worries. So I was just asking, how do we separate truth from fiction? There's a lot going on in this world with misinformation, uh, even deliberate disinformation is right. coming from everywhere, and then you know the, there you have the the psyops, psychological operations. So mm-hmm. how do we stay grounded in our truth, man? How do you separate the, the the real, the truth from from the fake? Well, I would say, and this is not because I am a Christian uh, or anything along those lines, but I would say that the the way to separate truth from fiction is by applying accurate weights and measures, both in the physical sense and also in terms of the way people behave. Um, And I think that this actually goes back to the misunderstanding of what the original golden age under Saturn was. Uh, And people have lost that connection between the idea of justice through the application of equal weights and measures uh, and uh, this day and age now, which is a very sophist um, oriented uh, world, uh, which basically says, you know, truth is, is how I perceive it. Um, the original golden age provided the world uh, with the concept of um, uh, measurements um, which was the basis of civilization. That's the truth uh, behind the original golden age that uh, humanity had been uh, totally uh, ignorant of uh, concepts like the passage of time, the um, uh, distance, all these different sort of measures that we have. And mm-hmm. the, um, the golden age burst forth in allowing humans to be able to measure the passage of time, measure distance, measure weight. And this became the beginning of our civilizations and, uh, the, um, and, you know, elevating humanity from, uh, you know, hunter gatherer subsistence to, 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 to one of civilization. Uh, when that was lost in the doomsday event that we're told happened at the end of the, uh, the, the, um, uh, golden age, and such, so too did a lot of the concepts of, uh, you know, uh, equal weights and measures. And uh, they were, uh, there was a period of time when those were sought out to try and preserve uh, for people after the, you know, in the post golden age uh, period. But there is an element, a psychopathic element within the human, uh, you know, um, population that will always seek to find advantage for itself in terms of scarce, uh, um, the scarcity of uh, resources and so on. And they've learned that if you can manipulate measures uh, and, um, uh, you know, rules and things uh, of that nature, uh, you can do so to your own benefit. And the most destructive form of that, I've always said, is, uh, is the issuance of money, the means by which we conduct trade, the way we price our productivity uh, in terms of trading with each other. If that gets distorted, 
in any way whatsoever, you immediately enter into a world where uh, small groups of elites can exploit large populations through a thing called debt slavery. And so mm. if you don't understand um, the idea of, you know, uh, in, the, in, in, in most world religions, they call it, you know, the God-given uh, God-given law, um, you know, which is these weights and measures that uh, that was supposedly revealed from a Godhead at some point in our past, uh, and you prefer instead to take the the sophist line, which is that, um, you know, basically uh, the um, the 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 idea here is that uh, man is the measure of all things, uh, of the things that that are that they are, and of the things that are not that they are not. Now that's a quote from uh, Protagoras, um, uh, who's the founder of Sophism. But basically, it boils down to saying, you know, you know um, things are good or bad according to how a person perceives it, rather than according to a set uh, and understood um, set of weights and measures. And the way that I try to determine in the world which is good which is not that sort of thing is i try to seek out those original measures um those original weights those uh, original laws and so on and then i judge what i see in accordance with uh, with those laws and that that tends to give me i feel personally not only a lot of spiritual uh, um peace but it also gives me a kind of an inside insight uh into the minds of those who would seek to distort um, you know these weights and measures, and of course I, I, I bang on it about bang on it about it all the time. The <laughs> debt-based model of international finance, as typified by the central banking model, is the absolute um, apex of um, of weights and measures distortion that has allowed small groups of people to dominate and exploit. Uh, you know the larger groups of uh, people around the world. Wow. Okay. Hey, I want to I want to talk about uh you know this this pandemic that's been going on. Sure. And uh you know, it seems to be this this great divide nowadays, right, between those who are in favor of the jab and those who are not. Sure. Um what are you what are your thoughts on this whole thing um being related to to a spiritual um, having a spiritual aspect, I should say. And mm -hmm. what is, what is the end game and, and how, how do you feel people that are not in favor for it resisted? And, and what, what do these people want that, mm -hmm. that is that, that continue to, to push it mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, uh, really, <laughs> you know, really, is it, is it just about money or, or is it something much, much deeper? Um, it is something much deeper. It's primarily about money. I mean, you know, the biblical quote that the love of money is the root of all evil. You know, you tie right. that back into the idea, uh, the other quote that um, that uh, basically says you shall not lend money at, uh, at interest, and uh, that is an abomination, and you shall not have um, diverse weights and measures. Um, but the love of money is, the, you know, is the root of all evil because money allows you to exploit rare resources to your own benefit. But the deepness of it all is this basic understanding uh, that I feel is based very much on, um, you know, the, the 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 Greek ideas of of, of sophism or you know the sophist uh, you know concepts and and basically. 
uh, where it goes deep. Um, and, and to answer your question, uh, first and foremost, what you were saying in that, I mean, the, the reason I believe for the current pandemic, and it was touched upon in my book, um, various uh, interviews I've done in the past and so on, but this idea of a new golden age um, is, you know, according to these occult kind of traditions, is based on this idea that um, the earth is a finite resource and that therefore the population needs to be controlled at a certain level and that control should be handled by people who who have a particular Mm -hmm. spiritual insight, uh, you know, that is unique to them and is elite to uh, in comparison to the average person who is in the majority. So the idea that uh, there is a coming culling of the uh, human population and it's not as if they haven't, uh, um, you know, uh, sort of told us that this was their plans. I mean, Georgia Guidestones are there for anybody to see. They want to take seven and a half billion people and reduce them to 500 million. So that's seven billion people that they want gone uh, right. in order to Agenda create. Agenda 21, right? Hey? Agenda 21, right? Yes, there's, uh, that's part of it and so on. And, and of course, what this is, is, you know, as I say, uh, you see, according to the Greeks, okay, uh, and according particularly uh, the Sophists, all right, which is very much a part of the occult traditions in terms of what they think, you know, the, the, the Saturn God is all about and so on. They believe that the goal of existence was to separate good spirit from evil matter, all right? Now, I'll, I'll repeat that again. It means, you know, that spirit is good and matter is evil. The, the physical world is evil. Their goal seems to have been to institute a great divorce between heaven and earth and such. But what this does is it produces a confusion um, between the understanding of the soul, which is for many people rooted in the thoughts of the mind, and what is spiritual, which is governed by the heart for many people. And um, in this context, when you allow the soul's mind uh, uh, approach, uh, when, when it attempts to understand all things in life, uh, it does so by using contrast. In other words, it's it's very dualistic. Um, it does not understand white except when it contrasts it with black. It doesn't understand good without mm. contrasting it with evil. Uh, it cannot wow. understand long without short and so on. So the mind employs its logic, um, you know, a logical ability. And what they do is they polarize these perceptions and such. So, the you know in, in this way you've got a group of people who have elevated themselves uh, that um, they've reached a point where they can determine what is right and what is wrong along these lines. It's their perception. You know, I've got to say it's even there in, in the fall of man in the biblical account. A lot of people think uh, that Eve, uh, uh, in the, you know, as the story goes in the um, Edenic um, uh, episode. Uh, that Eve was told by the the serpent, if you eat of the tree, you'll become um, a god, uh, you know, like God and so on. They don't understand that the definition of being like God is that in the biblical context, context God defines what is right and wrong. And Eve's sin, by eating of this tree of knowledge, uh, think of it in terms of Gnostic thinking and so on like that, Eve's sin was to believe that somehow Humanity had the um, the inherent right to itself to f- decide within creation what is right and wrong, as opposed to taking mm. 
the um, the example of God's idea of this. Now that's the that's the true concept of what happened there. She's saying, "I will be like not you know I will not that I will become physically like God, but I will have mm-hmm. the power of God to decide what is right and wrong." Right and, and wrong, okay. Yeah, and sophism uh, from the uh, Greek traditions, which heavily influences the Saturnian type thinking, um, you know, qualifies the idea that uh, if I've arrived at a certain level of authority, I get to decide what is right and wrong. And it's my perception that's important. And, uh, yeah. you know, so, you know, in other words, you know, things are good or bad according to how a person perceives it. Um, and, right. you know, the way things appear to an individual is the way they are in fact for that individual. And they, you know, sophism seems to think that, you know, the tyranny of the strong and intelligent was was natural and therefore right. So basically you, you're down to this idea that if you can force people into a certain perception, um, then that just simply makes it right. Might is right. Uh, you know, uh, you, you get to be king of the jungle. And uh, the trouble with that is that when you get large populations of people, it's a little it becomes more and more difficult to actually control those large groups of people. So the idea of entering into a new golden age is particularly technology driven where the earth becomes, you know, separated um, from the, you know, the evil and te- the virus that is humanity. In other words, these people have reached the point where if you're not within their spiritual thinking, you're a virus on this earth. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, and you have to be culled out of it so that the earth can flourish, particularly under their uh, direction. And, uh, you know, this seems to be... Um, where we are at at the moment it, it, everything seems to have accelerated massively in the last five yes. or six years um towards yes. the skull mm. goodness gracious man <laughs> yeah <laughs> so what do you think they want though troy what do you think they want well, is they, it just they, depopulation they, control or well depopulation allows them to retain control all right, because at the end of the day, they're still reliant on people doing the dirty work. Uh, by the dirty work, I don't mean the evil work. I mean the, you know, the hard work of uh, extracting resources and and so on along those lines. And uh, this is after the the original doomsday event. Um, what I argue in the book is that when the golden age came to an end, um, this period of um, where you know you had universal harvests, um, there really was. Uh, no um, scarcity, no um, no want for anything at that time, and and people were able to deal with each other with a set of recognised weights, measures, and so on. After the doomsday event, the and this goes back to the cosmological change, the cosmological argument that I uh, that I uh, introduce people to in the book, there's Saturn theory. That change after doomsday created a new world where you had um, seasonal variation and seasonal variation brought about scarcity of resources and so people have to club together in terms of um you know uh, you know cooperative um uh enterprise in order to plan ahead to to create enough surplus of resources to get through another winter and so on and that starts off very well in what i call the silver age uh, immediately after doomsday where the, the world is completely, humanity is, com, you know, completely decimated by this uh, cataclysm that involved uh, universal flooding, all kinds of um, destruction and so on, very frightening skies that were still very threatening to the population at large. 
And so the Silver Age tried in some way to institute, you know, policies, law, uh, um, again, these weights and measures to help society develop ways to survive future uh, doomsdays. And over time, as I said before, certain individuals would look at this as a, and I always point to the biblical thing that after the fall, it was stated that, you know, that mankind would have to, uh, you know, by the sweat of his brow, he would make the earth yield its fruits, which had not been the case before the uh, doomsday event or the fall of Eden, um, you know, fall of man in the biblical context. And there's always going to be some people who don't want to sweat uh, to have the earth's uh, fruits yielded to them. And they would rather other people put that productivity into motion, but they benefit from that. And, uh, and so down through history, we've had this idea of, um, of uh, people gaining that kind of control through debt slavery. Uh, they've, they've tried overt chattel slavery. That's been the, the lot of many peoples uh, that have had um, you know, tyranny over them, that they've just become a form of chattel slavery. Uh, mm. But debt slavery um, is, is the most efficient because a lot of people just don't understand they're actually in slavery at that particular point in time. Uh, right. and you know, so, so that sort of keeps them in control. And then if you take that idea that you have this capricious God who may at any time just simply decide to wipe out the earth again, as in the original doomsday thing, particularly when you get a series of, of, um, planetary events after doomsday that were, you know, pretty destructive in their own right. Um, you know, when certain planets came very close to the earth and you had ele- mass electrical events, uh, these sorts of things, and, and that's why the ancients say that you know that kingdoms and empires rose and fell according to the comets, you know, according to the skies, and that's why the ancients were absolutely obsessed with watching the skies and the movements of uh, you know planetary bodies and, and comets and and this sort of thing. So this imbues um, you know the culture, and, and this this happened to the Chinese, to the Mesoamericans, to uh, all the different cultures, but it imbues all these cultures with this idea that another doomsday could be just around the corner at any one time. And so people who seek to uh, monopolize uh, scarce resources through debt, slavery, and so on, plan for this. Um, and mm. where what I argue ultimately in the day is that the occult world has become so distorted through their understanding of mythology and, and what this Moloch or or Saturn archetype is that they that they've reached the point where they want a doomsday because in their opinion that solidifies their position at the top of the heap and effectively um, and you know there's an argument that I put on my website and about uh, you know uh, 2001 the Space Odyssey by Stanley Kubrick which is almost kind of like an initiation into this idea that they mm. expect humanity or they expect the elites of humanity to move into a new phase of evolution. They call it the star child, whatever it is, and so on. And that the star child will become like Saturn, the god Saturn that they worship, in their own right. They will rule as Saturn. They are the heirs to the promise of this. But they need that doomsday to set it all up. And, you know... um, I argue, and many people have argued in various forms of way, that, that this is really what we're all being set up for, is some kind of way of uh, um, you know, uh, smashing the population of the world in such a way that uh, you know, we've heard the word the Great Reset being bandied around recently yes. and, and so yes, on like yes. that. 
and they're going to reset humanity in this way. And ultimately, their objective is that they they ultimately believe technology will give them immortality. And uh, um, yeah. you know, they have this idea that that they can exist in that you know technolo- technological uh, paradise in a new golden age um, and rule like Saturn ruled, which is capriciousness by nature. Are these people crazy or what, man? <laughs> I mean, it's, it sounds like, you know, with the AI, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, trying to to live forever, be immortal. I mean, oh my yeah. goodness, man. <laughs> well, you can reach the stage where you can look at humanity as a virus, all right, yeah. on the earth. And, uh, yeah. you know, this, this is that whole thing about separating, you know, heaven from earth, that matter is evil and humanity is a form of the matter. And so on, and that to cleanse the earth, you've got to somehow cleanse the effects of humanity on the earth, um, in 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 order for the earth to function, you know, in in a much higher spiritual way, and so on. In other words, uh, you know, this is sort of goes back to what the Bible calls astarte worship or whatever, which is the sort of the worship of Isis. This is where the the earth is given the feminine um, counterpoint to the yeah, Saturnian right. archetype. Um, and and so therefore the earth has its own spirituality, um, which is crying out for a cleansing. You know, sort of, you almost get the sense that the earth is sort of flicking the 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 ants of humanity off itself. So get 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 it off hmm. me. I don't want it on me anymore. And these people think they're going to facilitate that um, and and benefit from it. And uh, you know, it just comes back down to this idea uh, of the earth. Uh, or, or, or matter being evil and spirituality being good, whereas you know, from world religions' points of view, Christianity in particular, or I should say, biblical point of view, um, you know, we're told that when God created the earth, it was good. You know, mm-hmm. it it was not. He didn't create an evil world, but many of these Greek sort of ideas believe that there was an evil force that created the evil physical world, and we've got to rise above that and leave it. And they're, they're, they're planning to organize us leaving it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think this is definitely uh, definitely in the works, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's been, been that way for – they've tried many, many times. Um, you know, there's, there's – uh, again, you know, I go back to the central banking model, which I identify with the Tower of Babel. Um, Babel, as some people might mm-hmm. pronounce it, and so on. The disaster that's related back in the Bible is – is I, I put that down to the first major financial disaster, which financial disasters are some of the most complete ways of killing off people because it brings about um, famine, which then you know destroys our um, our uh, immunity systems and makes us susceptible to plagues and so on like that, and then people fight wars and so on like that. And so we've had a series of disasters down through the centuries since the time of the Tower of Babel, which these people have been instrumental in. And I mean, we're living through a tough time at the moment. But for me, uh, in terms of the way I concentrate on the Western um, experience, but this also affected China. I don't think it affected Mesoamerica, but it certainly affected China. But the, the 1340s, the Black Death era and so on, you know, that must have been the most apocalyptic thing to live through when you've got towns like Kiev that were 700,000 strong and, and and within three months they were reduced to just seven people um, by plague and so on. Oh, yeah. Goodness. I mean, the COVID-19 is nothing compared to whatever swept through Europe <laughs> at that t- at that time. 
But when you look right. at the writings of uh, Joseph P. Farrell, for example, example and such, you see that the financial interests created a situation where there was a financial crash that precipitated uh, and, and preceded um, this m move into famine, which then allowed the Black Death to run riot. And I believe that they've kind of planned a similar scenario, um, you know, for, for the 21st century. Uh, things haven't gone well for them, um, but uh, right. you know, I believe that they've planned this. And, uh, you know, they essentially they wanted to mimic what happened in uh, the First World War, have a giant world war, kill off a whole lot of people that way, then, then have a virus that's introduced. And I have no doubt the Spanish flu was introduced. Uh, mm -hmm. ha have that... Um, come about and um the um uh you know and then follow that with a a, a massive uh, economic collapse well they didn't get their war but they've gone ahead with the um with the pandemic or the pandemic as a lot of people like to call it and right. they've um and i think we're right on the cusp i think quite literally in the next few weeks we are going to see their attempt at crashing the world economy um, but in the next few weeks, yeah, yeah, I think, I think. Wow. Uh, why, do you, why do you say that? Why do you say within the next few weeks? Um, I, I think, um, I think these people operate, as I say, as a culture. So there's no central plan. There's no sort of like book that was um, or file that was distributed amongst a whole lot of people saying this is what we're going to do, this is how we're going to do it, and so on. But mm -hmm. what happens is that various groups and so on create agendas. And they create the um, the mechanisms by which to bring that you know agenda about and so on. Uh, we're going to find that the disease that we're currently um, uh, undergoing at the moment, uh, without a doubt, is um, man-made. Uh, it, mm -hmm. it was formed as a, some sort of a weapon and so on. For what purpose? Why was it released? Um, right. And once those you know those plans were put in motion, I believe you know you know, 10, 15, maybe as much as 20 years ago. And certainly yeah. the culture for wanting this to happen has been there, um, you know, at least since the Enlightenment, uh, this idea that we've got to, you know, it's, it's, it's a Malthusian idea of, of there's too many useless eaters on the planet and we've got to do something about yeah. it. And uh, right. all, all they needed was a technology where um, they didn't succumb to the disease themselves. They could protect themselves from the disease and, um, and move on from that. But uh you know that, that's always been the problem with the virus is how do you survive it yourself if you you know if it comes in you know there's plenty of ideas about what they're actually doing uh, uh, to to make sure that's the case. Damn, <laughs> I mean these people are like uh, I don't I don't even want to call them crazy man they're, they're definitely evil. Look, I say a definition just, uh, of fanatics. All right, the fanatic has to believe yeah. they're doing good. All right. Yeah. You know, if you if you yeah. if you want to march, march a bunch of Jews into a gas chamber, all right, you've got to believe that you're doing that for the right yeah. reasons. Yeah, you know? I, I follow what you're saying. Yeah, I follow what you're saying. And uh, you know, it's it, it's just that sort of um, that sort of thinking that these people, you know, that they have, they think they're doing good and such. But and it's because they have this sophist idea that everything is allowable to you know to me. It's like it's like you know what what what's the favored. Um, you know the favored quasi religion in the celebrity world. It's Thelema. It's um, it's Alistair Crowley. You know, the the whole of right. the law is thou shalt do what thou wilt. I think is yes, is yes, what he says. Right. That's just pure yeah. sophism. That's all it is. It's a it's a it's 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 a modern form of sophism dressed up in in the theatrics of Egyptian 
you know, uh, symbolism and things like that. But the celebrities, they go for it and so on because they like the idea that um, if you're the big fish in the pond, you get to say how it is. And uh, mm. whereas the original Influence. Golden Age, sorry, goes back to that influence, right? Yeah, because the original Golden Age idea that the, the silver priesthoods, uh, the Melchizedekian order, and Taoist priests in China, and and other people like that tried to establish is that justice is the means by which we, you know, should exist on this earth, not by uh, the perception of the of of the toughest guy in the room. You know the, mm. the the you know the, the rule by might is right. Their idea is that justice through equal weights and measures, uh, you know, is, is is how humanity can best thrive, uh, and and everybody gets an equal uh, um, you know chance of this. And and the reason I like that, uh, uh, Jason, is, is, is the reason I like that concept is because not all of us have the ability to be you know spiritual adepts and you know, transport ourselves through astral, you know, uh, travel or, you know, all these things that we're told that, you know, as you move up the ladder of spirituality, you get to do and so on like that. A lot of people find happiness in the very simple things in life. And uh, those people should be protected from people who feel they're on a higher, you know, vibration, a higher plane, who start getting mm -hmm. into their head that people who are not on their higher spiritual plane are not worth it and uh right. that's what that you know that's really what is at the basis of what's called the rule of law you protect the you protect those of us who are not necessarily gifted you know i'm sure there are people out there who are in these uh, elite cults and they're, they're highly gifted people in terms of the intellectual and so on but they have black hearts uh in yeah. terms of how they right. view other people and you know i want a world where um if you want to live the simple life, uh, you know, you're protected by equal weights and measures in terms of the law that uh, governs your society. Mm, that's interesting, man. I like that. So with everything going on and, you know, they, they have this plan, right? What can we do? What, what, what are your thoughts on what people can do? Because I tell you what, a lot of stuff has been going on for a long time. And like you said, yep. five, six years, five or six years ago, things have really seemed to have, uh, sped up, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and um, I, I truly believe that that people that that have it in their hearts to do good and, and, and believe in truth yeah. uh, that will, will rise to the occasion yeah. to to fight this this darkness. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, um, to answer that, my, you know, the whole sort of reason for uh, writing Saturn Death Cult was to provide people with the tools to identify you know, these uh, distortions in the mythological um, records. In other words, to educate yourself to different viewpoints. Um, I've always been a proponent for you don't have to believe something if you, you know, uh, in order to educate yourself into it. You just have to have an understanding of what that is saying. And I think, right. you know, that, that people should, it's difficult, and this is the problem, it's hard for a lot of people um, to to make the effort. Most of us, by the time we're 24, we're set in terms of what we want the world to be and so on like that. And I have no problem with that if the world was run by equal weights measures, you know, law, that sort of stuff. But in this, in the context of what we're going through today, and I see this, there, there is a, a huge movement. I mean, just, just you and me uh, talking like this over the internet, 
20 years ago, this was impossible um, to do. Right. It was impossible for me to put out a, a track like the Satin Death Cult and get it published and have people find out about it and read it and become interested in some of the ideas that are put out there and so on. So we're undergoing, you know, some people call it a great awakening and so on, but we're certainly undergoing a revolution similar to the, um, the uh, you know, what happened at the, uh, um, the enlightenment, the beginning of the uh, uh, reformation and so on like that, where, you know, the internet is very much the same tool that the printing press was in the days of Martin Luther and the um you know so this ability to swap ideas and to study and to look at the ideas i think is the you know is the biggest um thing that anybody can do approach and try and at least understand the arguments i don't ask people to believe my idea about the cosmology of, of saturn and so on like that it's not my objective in it i would just like them to at least understand its mechanics understand its reasoning and then make your decision there you go. And I think right. that, you know, this is this is a lot of people are starting to move in that that line. They will listen to people. They won't just say, Oh, right, he's he's this religion or he's that way of thinking, you know, I want to burn him at the stake. Um, uh, you know, the people are sort of having an open mind to things. And, you know, as a result of that, um, they're able to see uh different perspectives uh that uh, you know, are opening their minds to different uh, possibilities. The whole of mythology, uh, I say this in a lot of interviews, and uh, Dave Talbot, um, who's one of the, the greats of uh, Saturn theory, one of the original guys who he, he wrote the book, um, um, you know, on, on Saturn theory at the very beginning. But he has often made the point that when you look at mythology written in its original form, uh, and such, you don't have to necessarily go into the original languages, but when you look at it that way, it's a madhouse. It makes no sense if you are trying to impose a kind of psychodrama, a human-like psychodrama onto the events being told to you in, in mythology. And unfortunately, this is what our academics over the last 200, 300 years have done. They've looked at mythology. They've tried to read between the lines to give us a... Uh, understanding of mythology as a series of events enacted out by you know humans ancient humans and so on like that and so when we see these films you know clash of the titans or anything with a mythological background we we get sucked into the idea that that's what mythology was actually telling us but when we go back and have a look at the at the, at the original texts and so on. Uh, a lot of it is very, very uh, confusing. It's a, it doesn't have the classic narrative that they've imposed on mythology now in terms of these stories. And the only reason really? they did that was that mm. you know the original concept of uh, mythology. They all understood that there was this there was this almost universal uh, aspect of mythology that somehow concentrated on the celestial north, that place where the pole star is, as being the abode of the gods. And hmm. they couldn't. They couldn't understand why would why would why would the ancients, you know, uh, go with this idea that that, that 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 part of the sky happened to be the abode of the gods? And so what they did is they looked at the world as it is today. They saw the sun rising in the east, setting in the west, hmm. um, you know, at an equatorial level, and they decided to impose the academic tyranny of all Saturn worship became sun worship. So you often hear it, you know, they, they worship the sun, mm -hmm. they did this and so on. And they ignore the fact that virtually 
all cultures, most of their their ancient temples and that, they're all oriented towards the north. Uh, they're not oriented towards a, you know, a, a west, uh, an east to west, uh, you know, tran- transit of the sun and so on. And so they contrived uh, to um, say that where you see Saturn worship, it's really sun worship in the academic sense. And in any case, all mythology is just simply psychodramas based on, you know, mythical human ancestors running around doing things to each other. And, you know, I think that uh, if we look at Saturn theory, it at least gives us a key to understand, no, these are the records of very real and very destructive interplanetary catastrophes that shook the Earth over a, over a, f- a few thousand years and that they saw a very different sky to the one that we see today. Man. Okay. Okay. Now, one thing I've wanted to ask you, Troy, was uh, about simulation theory. You more or less the world is a matrix. What are your thoughts on that? Simulation theory? I have to yes. say, I've, I've, I, I don't know that term. I think I know what you mean by it when you saw this, this world matrix thing. Um, yeah. I, what, you know, what little, I mean, just my own personal sort of yeah, um, just your personal reach. thoughts on it if you yeah. It's real or, you know. Well, um, I, I, I'm a great fan of the writings of uh, Rupert Sheldrake, um, the um, Cambridge-based um, biologist, uh, you know, here in Britain and so on, where he talks about morphic fields and how nature does things by um, by habit over a period of time. And and, it, and I'm also a, a big fan of uh, a guy called Victor Schalberger, who was a Austrian naturalist who came to an understanding that water is virtually a living entity and that that living aspect of water is, is electrical in nature. And of course, when you marry that into the physics of the electric universe, you start to find that uh, it would seem that there's an interconnectedness um, within the universe that is electrical by nature with water being a very important part of our physical existence, you know, uh, on this planet, I you know I always like to let people know water is the most unique substance in the universe. In that, it is the only substance that expands both when cooled and heated. Virtually every other substance, when it's cooled, it, it contracts. Um, when it's heated, it, it it expands. But water gets down to four degrees. That's the largest. Uh, that's the most dense it can be. And then when it gets cooler, it expands in the form of ice. And when it gets hotter from four degrees, it becomes ultimately vapor. It expands into, into steam. And uh, Schauberger and um, uh, people like Pollock in the uh, in the electric universe field, uh, you know, they, they they can see that water almost behaves like a living, um, you know, entity in its in itself, and is is highly connected to electricity, which brings us to plasma. And plasma is that in the electric universe um, uh, model. It's that 95% of the universe that mainstream science can't explain because they think it all has to be physical matter. And so they create black holes and black, uh, dark energy and dark matter and all this sort of stuff. When in fact, that's explained by the effects of plasma, which conducts electricity throughout the uh, universe in a filamentary way, both in glow, um, either in, 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 um, uh, silent mode, glow mode and, um, arc mode. And when you look at the universe in terms of that electrical interconnection that water is a part of and so on like that, it takes on a very similar look to what a lot of scans of the brain um, give us. 
in terms of uh, the human brain, uh, where you start to see the electrical activity within the human brain, which is profound. Nobody really fully understands how it all works, but our brains are these mass electrical circuits. And so, you know, a lot of people have commented, um, you know, just as, a, as an observation, that the universe looks like a giant brain, and we're in it. Hmm. A giant brain, and we're in it. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if that dovetails with anything to do with um, – uh, I, I forgot, forgot the name that you gave um, the theory, the sort of matrix-based uh, simulation theory. Simulation. Yeah, just simulation, yeah. right? Gotcha. Simulation. Yeah. 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 So I mean, you know, thought um, is a form of simulation, isn't it? We can imagine what we're going to yeah. do before we do it. Um, That's you know, true. Are we the thought of, uh, you know, some enormous brain uh, power? Of course, you know, people who have a an interest in a, in, in a creative, all-powerful God would subscribe to that idea that we are really part of the thought process of the first cause, which is, you know, the mind of God. Um, that's, that, that's the religious sort of approach to it, um, whatever the physics might be. But, uh, you know, you, you, get those, you get those statements in the Bible, I knew you before you were even in the womb. How? How does it work and so on like that? You know, it can only be uh, if, in fact, um, you know, as some people, they, they take the word God out and they just they re replace it with the word universe. You know, the universe has mm -hmm. thoughts that are being actualized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. And, you know, you, you said the thought It's very interesting. You, the first thing you said that thoughts, uh, thoughts are like a simulation, right? And then mm -hmm. when you said that, it made me think, well, where do thoughts come from? And then I think to the, the brain itself being almost like a receiver or antenna, right? And we receive thoughts thoughts from something or someone greater you can receive thoughts that are good you can receive thoughts that are bad and then it's up to us uh -huh. to act on those thoughts right i don't know some people may think it's 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 divine thoughts coming in and then dark or evil thoughts coming in and you just receive that information process it sure the signal can be distorted um yes you know, it can. through yeah. things i mean you know this might be why we're all being told to get a jab uh it's a way mm -hmm. of distorting that connection, but I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I remember one scientist, um, um, one scientist uh, explained the brain. You see, in the uniformitarian idea, um, you know, Rupert Sheldrake uh, rails against this: the idea that the that we're just a biological machine, and so you just poke around in the brain, and all thought is somehow internally generated uh, within the human and its brain, and so on, like that. And one brain um, scientist once said the er the error of this is like taking a television set uh, that is unplugged, poking around in its electronics, and feeding something into it, and you get a zap. You get a bit of static on the um, on the uh, uh, on the screen uh, by poking around of it. Now you've seen television sets in other rooms, and they're showing you all these TV shows and all this sort of stuff. And it would be as if the person who's taken the unplugged television set has decided, ah, so that's how the television shows are created. Somehow there's a, a, a zapping going on within the television and these shows materialize inside. When we all know that the <laughs> television set receives an input right, into it. Now, right. this may be <laughs> where DNA, DNA is that, you know, at conception uh, where um, you, you have that productive thing, you know, it's the, the only thing that we can create um, uh, in terms of life is through the productive method. We can't actually create life 
out of um, you know gathering a whole bunch of um, molecules or, or, or materials together. But uh, the the procreative uh, procreation act uh, of of humans and all species creates a form of life, and when that life is uh, conceived, uh, that's where the DNA is immediately established and the dna in its helix form which is very has a very sort of electrical um you know uh, look about it in many respects is the dna that unique receptor that receiver that will ultimately plug you into what you are going to be as an individual human being in terms of you know to use the term that you call this this the simulation theory um, if it's the mind of God or, or the mind of the universe, um, that that conception, that DNA has been, you know, there's, there's literally, it's been programmed to come into existence and, it's, and, 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 and the universe as such is ready for it to come into existence, which would, uh, uh, you know, then allow a kind of like a downloading um, through the life of, of that um, of that uh, particular individual according to their DNA. Now, this brings up a whole can of worms because, you know, this this really does sort of, if, you, if you're out to um, get rid of the useless eaters, if you're out to dominate the world, if you're out to rule as a god, then interfering with that, um, that process of, you know, what I basically call downloading from the from the higher mind, if you could say, or, or the, the morphic field that is God or so, whatever, if you can interfere with that, um, you are effectively killing off what was programmed to come into existence. And in some mm. respects, that may actually, um, you know, be behind what we're seeing in the world today with a lot of, whether it's abortion, whether it's a jab, whether it's, um, yeah. you know, these sorts of things, There, there's that... Uh, you know, in fact, it's actually there in the rituals. That's why they go for babies, um, and they 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 mm. you know, they go for that. They 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 try to hijack this reception that's going on um, between. Wow. Yeah. Damn. Okay. <laughs> that is that is something else, man. So so, do you believe that we we are maybe we are, we are God having a, a human experience? Sorry. I, mean, I don't. I don't think. I don't think. You know, every not not to say everyone, because I, I truly believe that just because you see someone walking around yeah. on this earth out here that they're they're human. I, I just don't believe that. You know, I, I think there are are uh, False not everything you know, has a soul or a spirit that you see think or that you see or think is human, right? But do you think that we that people that that a lot of people are are, are maybe God having a human experience? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, my, well, personally, of course, I believe in the concept of, um, every human being a child of God, meaning that they are as God, but they've been put into kind of almost like a educational process, uh, which is finite. And so, um, you know, there, there are basically two, um, competing, uh, you know, sort of religious concepts in the world. One, one is reincarnationist in, in, in its uh, thinking, and the other one is resurrectionist in its thinking. I favor the resurrectionist idea, um, and uh, but most of what you would call the occult, um, uh, and particularly those of of, of, of the sort of the the dark occult and so on, are very much reincarnationist, and uh, you know they they hope to influence. Um, their own reincarnation through ritual 
it always it always baffled me why the average human being who I consider to be fundamentally good in nature, uh, they you know unless they're born a psychopath, I, I understand that maybe five percent of the population is just wired that way. Um, but even psychopaths can be controlled by a good application of uh, weights, measures, laws, that sort of thing. But um, you know, most people are actually born good, but they can they can become extremely evil, particularly if they if they're turned into narciss narcissists over time. And why would they engage in some of the most horrific rituals at the expense of children uh, that you can imagine? And you know, this was always something that troubled me about you know just you know how 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 can you even conceive that somebody would go into something and when somebody said, oh, by the way, you've now got to you know, debauch that child and, and uh, everything's cool, that the person who goes, okay, I'll do that. Uh, what, what's going through their mind? And the only thing, that's where the game of Saturn came into it. It's the idea that there are certain supposed elites, and I refer to them as people born of the blood, um, it's it, you know it's not actually of the blood in the in in, in the sense how some supremacists would actually talk about it, but uh, by that they believe it's a blood related thing, and so they marry within each other and so on. But as the world got larger and more and more people became involved, people who are not born into these bloodlines believe that they can reincarnate into these bloodlines, and they come to believe that certain rituals will allow them to hijack the spiritual existence of whatever child uh, as such to um, um, to somehow influence a reincarnation into these bloodlines. And then I talk about the people of the earth that is the average person. In other words, we are um, the, uh, you know, those of us who exist on the planet as part of the planet where, you know, the belief that matter is not intrinsically evil, it is actually good and that we're you know we're here because that's uh, something that was willed and uh, and and favored by God. Um, the, the these are the people of the earth, but those people can be influenced by ideas into I'm going to be somebody of the blood. I'm going to join these families uh, that uh, believe they have a bloodline connection to uh, the demurge, the, uh, the 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 Saturn creator archetype that gives them uh, a, a special place. In the hierarchy of things, uh, so yeah, it's it's uh, you know it's, it's frightening that they uh, uh, that they would think that way, um, but it's very evident from ancient times that they actually followed through on these thoughts, and uh, a lot of people have suffered uh, terribly as a result of that. Yes, they have. I, I'm yes, not sure if I actually got the full of the question uh, answered there, though. Uh, there was something that just. Uh, Cross my mind that you asked that uh, needed to be followed up on. Oh, go for it. I no, no, I'm just, I'm just trying to remember the, the nature of the question to begin with. Uh, before that, um, before I gave, uh, in, uh, went went on that spiel uh, just before, um, it was something to do with uh, um, the nature of life itself, I think. But uh, can you remember? Ah, man, it's it slipped my mind too. Right. Okay. <laughs> it might come back. To us. I, I, yeah, I, yeah, it'll come back. I, I, I listen very intently to to what you're saying. So, <laughs> oh, you're such a such a wealth of knowledge. Um, quick question for you: Have have you heard of uh, something called Revelation of the Method? No, I, I not, not specifically okay. that. No. Okay. Apparently, this is when the elite or powers that be say outright 
what they are doing. Uh, and, you know, mm-hmm. you, you see different things. Uh, for example, the, the White House press, se- press secretary said the other day um, something about the global pandemic. Yeah, and, and she her, used the her, word her pandemic, global. didn't she? Yeah, pandemic. Yeah, exactly. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. Are you, I wonder if those are just slips of the tongues or is there something much deeper to it? Are they, you know, just showing us or telling us outright what they're doing yeah. or, or what? Yeah, they are. Yeah, it is. It's a distortion of uh, this is where biblical knowledge comes into um, into account. When you when you look at the biblical sort of account of all this battle between what a lot of people call good and evil, you're really seeing mm-hmm. um, what's called um, legal warfare and a lot of spiritual warfare related in biblical accounts and so on, and also other other religions and so on. Is it, it, it centers around legalities. And um, what you have in the um, in the biblical legal account is this idea that when you go to war, you're supposed to you're supposed to first of all um, uh, invoke God whether the war is righteous, and if it is righteous uh, according to you, you know the prophets, whatever it is that uh, they're using to communicate that, whatever signs in that you're also obligated to go to the enemy and say, right, this is what we're going to do to you unless you stop doing what is pissing us off, all right? And if they continue to do that, then you're sanctified in going in and wiping them out. Now, that has always been the, um, uh, the you know, the sort of the biblical law. Now, if you take people who are uh, anti the Bible, uh, it's not that they're looking for something totally the opposite to do the opposite. They look anti simply means to be in place of. So a lot of, you know, Satanist thinking, Luciferian thinking, and certainly the application within the the the, the, um, the sort of the Saturn archetype and so on, seeks to use similar laws, but in the way that a dirty lawyer would would try to subvert the law to get what they want. All right. And so it's a tradition amongst them. Yeah, we'll let them know that we're going to wipe them out. We'll, we'll, we'll do all the things so that when and if this capricious God that they believe in says, you know, what did you do here? You know, some form of judgment or whatever like that. Or in fact, if it turns out they're wrong about that and it's the, it's, uh, you know, the, 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 the um, you know, the concept of a, a righteous God rather than the capricious God that turns out to be the truth. They can always point and say, but we told them. We told them we would do this, and they did nothing about it. So, you know, we went through the legal process and so on. And I think this is where Hollywood has played a massive role in what we're yes, seeing. Yes, I agree. Uh, yes. You know, it's 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 one of the huge um, uh, um, mechanisms, control mechanisms. They'll put stuff out that somehow seems to always precede in some way or another, you know, events that take place. And all the time. Yeah, yeah all the time. And, uh, you know, they, they, they now they're on this accelerated thing and they're just being overt about it now. Um, but I do believe that, uh, that there is this need on their part. Um, it's almost, almost like a cover your ass situation in terms of the spiritual um, you know, in, in terms yeah. of spiritual righteousness, look, we told them, right. you know, it's we not as if we didn't them, yeah. tell them what we wanted to do or anything, yeah. you know, yeah. and they were too dumb that, and that stupid to figure it out. <laughs> that is a dirty lawyer, man. Mm. <laughs> shiesty. Very shiesty. Mm. Wow, man. Hey, yeah, Troy, this has been great, man. Yeah. 
Shiesty, yeah. yeah. They're, they're totally shiesty and evil, man. Yeah. Totally, totally. But hey, man, I want to thank you for uh, coming on the, the Hidden Gateway podcast. And I have one request for you, one more yeah. request for you before we go. Um, I would like for you to leave our listeners with um, what I like to call a token of love, right? Just something that they can take forward with them as they continue their, their life experience, their, their journey. Mm-hmm. Words of wisdom. Huh. Um, right. Um well, uh, I would uh, paraphrase a biblical, uh, um, a biblical uh, um, statement, which is that the um, knowledge is the beginning of all wisdom, uh, pure and simple. Um, seek knowledge, seek understanding, and uh, you know, look for it in places that you would never think it would be there, but uh, you know do so out of understanding, which I am the kind of understanding that is, is true love, um, which is a, a love of understanding itself, the seeking of, of, um, of knowledge in terms of understanding it. And, uh, you know, give, give yourself some wide breadth in, uh, in where you go looking for stuff. Use this time when we're, when we're sort of having to sort of, uh, uh, disappear into our homes and exist that way. Use this time as an opportunity to look and see what's out there, open source, and see uh, um, you know uh, what what uh, what wonderful ideas and uh, and concepts there really are in the in, in the world. And I would say that don't fall for the idea that we live in a a world of uh, of uh, scarcity that means that we have to fight each other for every bit of resource there is. I believe that this planet is more than capable of supporting and nourishing us, um, you know, to untold billions uh, in reality, if we are all allowed to break free of uh, what I call the Saturn death cult. Well said. That is excellent, Troy. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Oh, it's been my pleasure. All right. And to our listeners of the Hidden Gateway podcast, we really hope you enjoyed this episode. I know I did. Uh, (laughs) I've said it many times to say it again. Troy is just a wealth of knowledge speaking his truth. And we love that here on the Hidden Gateway podcast, bringing awareness and speaking our truth. So, Troy, thanks again. And everyone, please remember to stay connected with us through HiddenGateway.com. Join the discussion on Instagram as well. If you want to speak with us directly, you can email us at support at thehiddengateway.com. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And this will conclude this week's episode. Until next time, stay positive, stay questioning, be love, and be free. The Hidden Gateway, out.